0: Hello, and welcome back to the unending TBR podcast. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. I have another author interview that I'm really excited for you guys to listen to. This week, I'm really happy to have Betsy St. Edmont. Yes. Okay. I'm so happy to have you this week, Betsy. Um, and... I'm really looked forward to the last few of your books and I've mentioned before, when people are looking for foodie books, food centric books, I've sent them to you a couple times. And I've noticed a few of yours that have a lot of that thread. What makes you want to keep writing with that theme?
1: Yeah, so it's kind of an accident. Honestly, I've gotten I say I've been accidentally branded (laughs) with the food books, but I kind of like it, it's fun. It's just ironic because I'm not really a big baker or chef. Um, I passed all of those genes, apparently straight through me onto my daughter. So she is amazing in the kitchen, but I am the girl who, when she was young married, once put water, frozen vegetables and raw meat in a crock pot and thought it was going to turn into soup. So (laughs) that's kind of where I've come from. Um, But yeah. Well, how
0: would you know, right?
1: Right. I should have known somehow. I should have known better than that. But um, yeah, I think I like writing the food themes because there's just something about that love starts in the kitchen Type mm-hmm. chemistry and there's so many fun things you can do conflict-wise. I think when you have a bakery or a restaurant or in this case with my new release a food truck, so I just think it gives a lot of um, freedom for creativity and conflict and unique characters. Um, but I did get out of the bakery for this book and into a taco truck instead, so I, I mixed it up a little bit.
0: Yeah, a whole new different. Direction. It's been really fun to um read and so like why the food truck industry and what did you find interesting about that in your research?
1: Yeah so because of COVID I didn't get to actually tour the food truck that I had made plans to tour. Um, I was writing this novel in 2020 so that was definitely an interesting (laughs) twist. Um, you know, I was, I was telling someone the other day, you know, writing under a deadline is, you know, challenging enough on a good day, but then you add a pandemic year and all of that stress and it can really heat things up fast. So, um, yeah. I didn't get to do the actual food truck tour that I had planned, but something I did learn from talking to, um, that, um, that business's truck and they have a, um, uh, storefront too. And I, I realized from talking to them and a few other local places, how common it is for, for food trucks to turn into restaurants, try to do both. And then a lot mm. of times it seems like they go back to just food trucks. It's like, that's the, that's the money maker, That's the more fun, I guess, environment. Um, I know a lot of that is obviously financially fueled. It's more expensive to have an actual storefront. Um, But that was the theme I saw that was really interesting. So I was able to kind of look into some of that for my story too.
0: That was been really, um, and I didn't mention the title, Tacos for Two is out now. And that was just a really fun thing. I had not seen food trucks in Christian fiction before. So that was a really fun thing. And I like how you take it with a little there's a competition going on. So there's lots of stakes going on. Um, emotional stakes, not
1: actuals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but and it's um, funny you say that about the um, food trucks in Christian fiction, because yeah, that's exactly what my editor said. We were brainstorming, tacos for two, we were brainstorming the second book in my contract. And Mm -hmm. she said, you know, we just don't see a lot of food trucks. And I think it was a little more popular in the, you know, mainstream industry, um, book industry, Mm. but she's like, we just don't see that in Christian fiction. I was like, Ooh, challenge accepted. That sounds really fun. So it was her idea to kind of get me out of the bakery and do something a little unique and kind of fill a niche that was available in the Christian market.
0: Well, and that's kind of neat, you know. It, it has so many of those elements that you, that are so fun to play with. I'm sure you got like kind of like forced proximity in there because it's tight spaces and just yeah. man, thinking back to all the things that happened, can't say anything because spoilers. But a lot <laughs> goes, a lot can happen. Yes, yeah. <laughs> my goodness. Um, and you've also mentioned before this story is a little bit of a play on You've Got Mail. Which it's almost its own kind of trope, and um, how was that de- characters where they're both online interacting and in real in real life interacting so diff- like see different sides of them. How was that to develop those kind of characters
1: that way? Yeah, so it was really fun. And it was also really challenging because for a good portion of the book, it's like I'm writing two different romances and Mm -hmm. it's these these parallel lines that eventually had to intersect and keeping up with that in the meantime and having to make sure the reader knows everything I know along the way and, you know, not say too much, not say too little. um, Yeah, it was, it was a challenge for sure, but it was fun. And it was
0: so fun to watch
1: Oh, good. I'm so glad it worked. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I think the most fun part of creating that trope that you've got mail trope was, um, creating, I had to create a dating app because, mm. the you know, the big thing in you've got mail is the outdated technology of the, the DOS system and the AOL dial up and emails and, yeah. you know, poor Tom Hanks with no with no mouse, so he just has to hit the delete button a million times, you know, um, <laughs> that iconic scene, you know. Um, so I had to make it realistic. And I really wanted to give proper nod to people today who really are in the throes of online dating because I have so many friends in that position and some of it's worked out well and they have happily ever afters and some of it has not worked out so well. And so i wanted to just give respect to that whole world and and make it realistic and um so i had to create a dating app to still keep the anonymous factor strong that the story needed but make that make the reasons why believable and so instead of emails it's actually direct messages and then text messaging and oh my gosh i love how revel formatted those pages and so you can see on the page, the back and forth, just like it would be on a phone screen or a you know computer instant message screen. Um, the, the texting and the emojis and the usernames, I think they did a really stand-up job. That is really cool. I know, because that's like,
0: it's amazing since that movie came, like, because we're online so much, I feel like there's so much fodder for those type of trying to portray yourself one way and how we sometimes do that in message I feel like that was a really relatable message that you yeah. conveyed through that I really took that in it yeah I mean very relatable characters and just really so fun to watch it all go down I tell you one of my the- one of my favorite things is I love the banter both on in the texting and how um the banter between the characters in person, just, that was so awesome. What do you feel is a really necessary element of good banter in a book?
1: So I think the most important part is just to sound natural. You know, Mm -hmm. you want to, you want to have it sound like two people who are really conversing, really flirting, you know? So I kind of pull from some of my own, you know, past, um, exchanges obviously not word for word but just that going back to how I felt when I was talking with my husband because we technically met online um, ah. in a slightly different way it was more of a <laughs> Facebook mutual friend of a friend and then we started liking each other's photos and then he sent me that instant message you know so I kind of pulled from some of that and just the snarky mildly sarcastic interactions because that's just what people do that's that's how you communicate when you're interested in someone, there's that humor and that back and forth. So I think the key to doing that in a written fictional format is just to make it as real as possible. And one thing I do is I read it out loud sometimes if I'm not sure if it's working to make sure it doesn't sound too silted or formal Mm. and make sure it sounds like two people really talking and not written words, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I have heard that time and time again often say to read it out loud and that's just so it's so interesting how it's like it may way on paper but it sounds different when you say it it's just amazing how that works yeah and so there's a bit of family dynamics and drama that plays into this story how how did that come to be a part of tacos for two
1: yeah, so it kind of organically develops when I was plotting. I'm, I'm very much a character-driven author. I always think of my characters first and their internal struggles, what, why they believe, their insecurities. So when I start doing that and I'm needing to put a plot around them, I normally just start asking the characters why. Okay, well, why do you need this? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, why to that? And you just kind of keep that snowball rolling until you get down to the minute Nitty gritty backstory memories from childhood, you know, I can go really deep with it really fast (laughs) and sometimes I get unnecessary stuff that never makes it into the book, but it really helps me write the character authentically. So in this case for tacos for two both Jude and Rory have um, kind of a dysfunctional family relationship in different ways, so my hero Jude his dysfunction is more with his dad and brother and it's more physical and on the page. But with my heroine Rory, hers is a different kind of dysfunction that's more from kind of a feeling of misplaced obligation to uphold her family legacy so they both had some family issues going on that really were a part of who they were. And so Mm -hmm. I was able to really layer the book, even though it's it's a romance, there was a major secondary plot for both of them. And it worked out really well because I've had a lot of reviewers. make comments about, well, I don't normally read romance, but I love this book because there was so much more going on. So I mm-hmm. felt like it kind of fit everybody's book interests, you know, um, that worked out really well.
0: <laughs> yeah, that did. I know that was really, it was really interesting to see them grow in their own story and fight, you know, they each had something to tackle with. It wasn't just, are they, get, when are they going to get together? It's, it was all the other things that they needed to do to grow. And I love seeing that kind of growth. I do enjoy yeah, that.
1: It, it goes back to it's, it's what makes it real and relatable because you think about just a regular person that, you know, in real life, entering into a new dating relationship, they still have the rest of their life going on. They still have a job or kids or a career or, you know, a dysfunctional family member, all, all mm-hmm. of that stuff is really happening. And um, I just think it really helps the ca- uh, readers connect to the characters when they have those extra layers of their lives. And it's not, it's not like everything stops for this one romance to happen, you know?
0: Yeah. And it's so, um, it often, it's like, it, it's almost like it takes somebody from the outside perspective to sometimes show us what we're in a rut, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a good of life. It's like, because when you're in it, sometimes you're so in it, you can't see anything else so
1: yeah yeah and it's interesting too I've had some uh, reviews come in where some people said they struggled to like one of the main characters in the Mm -hmm. beginning because they thought oh well Jude is too much this and Rory is too much this but then most of the time those reviews ended with oh I love what the author did and how she shaped their character arc and I saw now why they were the way they were why they acted the way they did and how they redeemed themselves um, yeah. so I really like writing characters with a strong arc. I don't like them starting out perfect and you know they they need room to grow because I need room to grow, right? So <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I'm terrible at sometimes it's like I will almost not like the character who is the most like me. <laughs> <It's Yeah>. like, <laughs> I see myself a little bit too much. <laughs>
1: yep. <laughs> that's great.
0: And then that's probably a point to where I need to work on.
1: that conviction
0: (laughs) yeah a bit Uh, and also there's a lot of fun humor in this book and this is just something that's I find so fascinating like what do you feel is an important part about making a book funny because I feel like humor in books is probably the hardest things to write
1: yeah I agree and I think you can't force it it's it's got to come from that natural place so for me, it was just incorporating real life um, things that make your reader relate and say, "Oh, I've been embarrassed like that too," or "Oh, I've felt that way too," or "I've made that, you know, faux pas in front of a new a new guy I'm dating too," or you know, just kind of pulling from those really common life experiences can can lead to some really funny moments, you know, in a book. Um, and then, of course, there's something to say for a little bit of the the slapstick comedy where, you know, comedy of errors and things just snowballing out of control, that's always fun to write. Um,
0: Especially when when, food is involved.
1: (laughs) Yes, that goes back to there's so much opportunity in a restaurant or a food truck or a bakery for some kind of mishap, something burns, something drops, you know, um, there's all kinds of potential humor there. So it was fun to write, I just kind of let it come, I didn't try to force it, and um, it kind of, it makes me think of my last book with Ravel, it came out last October, The Key to Love. It was set in a yeah. a Parisian bakery in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. And my favorite characters were the eccentric elderly sisters, Mabel and Agnes. And oh, they were when fun. I, oh good. <laughs> when I wrote them, I feel like I can't even take credit. I literally wrote their scenes as a spectator. I had Mm. no idea what they were going to say or do next. I was just the fingers on the keyboard. I felt so removed from it. And they were so funny. I can say that without feeling conceited because I literally take no credit. Like somehow that just happened. (laughs) (laughs) So so it it kind of made me think of those, um, some of my side characters in Tacos for Two. I think the uh, assistant chef, Alton, I think he had some funny moments. Um, I really like. He surprised me. I didn't really know where his character was going when I first started, but he developed quickly and demanded his own space. <laughs> so
0: oh yeah, that was that was a really fun character. I, I do loved Elton as a side character. He was you never knew it was like you were watching and whenever he would show up, you never knew what he was gonna do.
1: <laughs> he <laughs> could
0: <laughs> oh. So what do you hope readers take away from this story?
1: So I've thought a lot about that. I've been asked that before, and I feel like my answer kind of changes every time as I get just more thoughts into it. But um, one thing for sure, I hope readers are just entertained and, you know, mm. it's been a rough couple of years. I hope yeah. they can just take a break and get out of their own kitchen and their own chores and responsibility and just veg out in the food truck with Jude and Rory and just think about something else for a couple of hours. Um, But on on a deeper level, I do love the theme of forgiveness in this Mm -hmm. particular story and kind of that theme of second chances and, um, you know, just forgiveness, not only in the romance, but in the surrounding family dynamics Mm -hmm. and how that can overlap, you know, and affect your life in different ways. So I hope readers can maybe take something away from that. And then also, with uh Rory kind of feeling that misplaced obligation to hold a role that she doesn't even know that she wants. I would love if yeah. readers would have that freedom to evaluate what they're doing, you know, and um for for like to kind of celebrate the release of this book, I had a bracelet custom made and um one of my friends was having a jewelry party and I saw it was an option to put whatever you wanted as a quote on the pretty little metal stamp. And I was like, Ooh. And so, um, I got, I got one and it was a quote from Kathleen Kelly on you've got mail and it says, hold on, let me get it.
0: Got a custom bracelet. Very cool.
1: Yes. It says, do I do it because I like it or because I haven't been brave? Mm and I just love that. I love that part of the movie. I love the different nuances that quote can take, you know, what are, what are we doing and why is it because we love it? Is it because we have to, it just, I don't know. It just sparks so many inspirations that quote. So I love that bracelet. That was my, that is really, to myself. <laughs> that's really
0: cool. I do. I so appreciate those stories that encourage us to get live in our comfort zone. Cause I feel like it's so easy to slip back that we constantly need to be reminded sometimes to try new things and everything. So,
1: yeah. And that was a little bit of a a banter between Rory and her, her friend who was the mm -hmm. food truck chef. His name is Grady. It was a little bit of a conversation that they had sometimes too, because he was kind of encouraging her to do other things that she felt like she couldn't, you know, um, because, you know, of his own job, (laughs) if, if she yeah. did something else, what would Grady do? And, you know, she just felt all of this weight of burden. And I think especially, um, you know, I know a lot of my readership are mothers. And as a mm-hmm. mother myself, you know, I, I I know that we know responsibility and obligation and putting ourselves last. We know that so well, you know, and there's, there's a lot of, of beauty and grace and, and stuff in that. But there's sometimes a need to just take a moment and say, well, what do I need to do? You know, what do I need to accomplish for me too. And um, I just think that's a needed message right now, especially in these last couple of crazy years, you know.
0: That's so true. It really, it really is. And yeah, I loved how things didn't know, I, like, I thought it was going to go one way and it didn't, and <laughs> just got to learn to roll with it. And that's so life yeah oh it is yep so what's next for you as an author
1: well I have two projects coming up one of them will be announcing pretty soon the details but I can tell you that it'll be a box set of romantic comedies Mm -hmm. I'm going to publish with um five other authors so it'll be a fun box set uh we are going to do ebook and print so you'll have your your choice Awesome. Um, I can't give to me details until we make the big announcement, but it's going to be really fun. And I'll give you a hint that you'll need to brush off your your slap bracelets and your acid wash jacket and your purple (laughs) eyeshadow. It's going to be fun. And then I'm also in the process right now, even today, of signing a contract that I'll also be announcing really soon the specifics, but it'll be a Christmas story coming out next Christmas, 2022. So I'll have a title and some more details on that in my newsletter really soon. Is that your first Christmas book? I did another, I I did a novella with Marta Perry. We did a two in one with Love Inspired Ah. many months ago. That was probably 2011 somewhere back in there. It's okay. called Mistletoe, Mistletoe Prayers, and we each had a short story in the uh, Love-Inspired compilation. Um, but yeah, past that, I think I've only ever done a winter novella set. Mm. Yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited to be writing this Christmas story over Christmas. That's really rare that an author gets yeah. to do that. Normally, the seasons are opposite, <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to Totally embracing all the feels this Christmas and pouring that into the story that'll be out next year.
0: That's a good, yes, I've heard that about the Christmas, it's hard to get in the Christmas spirit when it's summer.
1: Yes, it really is, especially here in Louisiana, it's 100 degrees for three months straight, you know, it's humid and definitely not merry. I
0: can't even look at a sweatshirt until it's 60 degrees (laughs) out It's like it's too hot to even think of it. Oh, me! Oh, my goodness. That's good. So, where can listeners follow you, stay up to date on where you are releasing this news?
1: Yes. So, the best way to find me and the most up to date news is going to be my newsletter. Um, you can sign up at my website, which is just myname.com, BetsySaintamont.com. Um, and then I also am on social media Twitter, Instagram, Facebook under Betsy St. Amant and you can find me there and interact. Um, I love communicating with readers on all my social media. It's really fun. So I'd love for you to follow and interact with me. I try to return every message personally. Um, I just, my, my newsletter list is the best. It's been cool. really fun the last couple of months. I only send one newsletter a month, so I don't blow you up. <laughs> Um, And I'm always giving stuff away. So I'm like the newsletter Santa Claus. I just give gifts. So come follow me. (laughs) Sounds
0: good. Well, I really want to thank you for chatting with you. It was great to talk to you. And I love little tidbits from behind the scenes.
1: Good. Thank you for having me. I love talking about writing and novels and just tacos. (laughs) So
0: oh man that was just another thing that about it and your all your food books it's like they're the ones that make me hungry
1: (laughs) good I'm doing something right (laughs) that's great
0: yeah so thank you again
1: yes thank thank
0: you